If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's holy word and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find this on page 530, page 530. And for context, I'll begin in verse 10 this morning. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. They cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. They are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. So in our study over the last few months of Proverbs, we hear something over and over and over again. We have the call to get wisdom and whatever you get to get insight. That is a work of us that you and I are supposed to be getting wisdom in this life for the purpose of glorifying the Lord. My mind is often trailed to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So if we are to live our life for the Lord in the here and the now, we will need a transformed mind. A transformed mind is the wisdom of God ruling our actions. A transformed mind allows our bodies to be a living sacrifice for the Lord. Without a transformed mind, you and I will fail to submit to the Lord, for we will fail in recognizing his will and doing his will. You see, Proverbs is much more than knowledge. It is wisdom. The end game is not knowledge, having a bunch of facts and knowing a lot of things. It is to put the word of God rightly applied in our life for the glory of God. 
A transformed mind is the wisdom of God ruling our actions. Without a transformed mind, you and I will fail in our submission before the Lord. Now, Solomon was not a perfect father, but he was a father who loved his son. And he pointed his son to the perfect wisdom of the Lord. In Proverbs 4, we find he taught his son the way of wisdom. Last week, I said many fathers and mothers fail to teach. He taught his son the way of wisdom. He led his son in the path of lady wisdom. And he modeled before his son the way of uprightness, the only way forward in this life. Solomon did not want his son to enter the path of the wicked for one brief moment. He desired that his son's life not be wasted at all, but fully lived for the glory of God. As a congregation, when we hear something like that, we should say, amen, praise God. Many fathers don't want that for themselves, much less for their son. He didn't want his son to enter the path of the wicked for a brief moment. He wanted every area of his life to glorify the Lord. But at the end of the day, his son had to make the decision. Like us, we have decisions that we will make today. We have decisions that we will make this week, and I hope that we will all keep hold of God's instructions and avoid wickedness when we are making those decisions. As Solomon taught, we must hold fast to the Word of God. We must not forsake the Word of God. We must get wisdom and insight and not let go of them. We must prize wisdom and embrace wisdom. The picture that the father painted for his son as if wisdom were his wife. That you embrace her, you cling to her, you are intimate with her. You do not let go of wisdom. You must keep her, you must guard her, for she is life. That without taking wisdom from above with us in this world, we will fail to please the Lord. Solomon continues to instruct his son today, and he focuses upon the ears, the eyes, the heart, the speech, and the feet of his son. And he continues to use the word keep. Keep it. Don't let go of it. That we need to get wisdom, but we must also keep wisdom. It's a great reminder that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. The wisdom is much more than the gathering of facts. It is the knowledge of God displaying the grace of God. It is a life enjoying God and glorifying him. That it is living this life, every arena, every sphere, taking God's instructions with us. What does God's word say about this? What does God's word say about this situation? How does it say how I am to run my family? How does it say I'm supposed to do my job? Look at verse 20. He said, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. They are life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. So Solomon wants his son to be attentive to the words that he has heard, to listen. He wants his son's eyes to be on the words that he has heard, to see them with great clarity. The father wants his son to keep what he has heard. 
And notice what he says where he wants it to be. Keep them within your heart. So the father is not speaking to his son about behavior modification. We are not talking about the average parent who just wants their children to obey. This is much more than the parent who wants to have well-behaved children when others are around. This is not behavior modification. This is also not moralism. Solomon wants his son's heart to please the Lord. He wants the words of wisdom that he has heard to be kept in his heart. The heart is the seat of reason, the seat of the will. Over the last few months, Proverbs has caused me to think not just about my life. Proverbs has caused me to think much about my death. I have pondered over the last few months about the life that I am living and the work that I am doing. My relationship with the Lord. My relationship with Amy. My relationship with Addison, Colby, and Alyssa being one of the under-shepherds of this beautiful church whom the Lord has purchased by his blood. I have asked the hard questions of my own life. How am I doing right now? If I were to be called to glory soon and stand before the Lord, what would I want to change in how I am presently living? I haven't been asking the questions, what are others thinking about me? I haven't been asking, what would others say about me? What would be said at my funeral? Or what will be written on my tombstone? I have asked myself over and over again, Lord, am I pleasing you? Show me where my life needs to be obedient. Solomon, here, he does not want his son to change his behavior. He wants his son's heart to keep the words of God. I want the same for my life, for Amy, for Addison, for Kobe, for Alyssa, and for this church. I don't want the applause of men and women to rule your life. I don't want you to fear man. I want you to remain faithful servants of the Lord, fearing him. For in Proverbs 1-7, we find the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. May we not be children of the Lord who despise wisdom and instruction by how we live, but remain faithful children who fear God with our mind and life. Verse 22, the father continues, they are a life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Solomon has not been feeding his son his words, his opinions. He hasn't been instructing him in modern thinking. He hasn't been instructing him in the in words of God. Solomon has been feeding him the word of God, the good old way, the ancient path, pure wisdom. The words that Solomon fed his son, they are life and they are healing. Wisdom is life, and when life is found, you have good health. The overall health of an individual, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Yes, in this life, you and I are going to live with diseases. We might have mental struggles, physical struggles, health struggles. We might live daily with pain, depression, 
perhaps battles for purity. But as children of the Lord, we need to remember what is coming. We need to know what the Lord has decreed, that every promise in God's holy word is yes and amen, and it will come to pass. Let us be reminded of the present reality and the importance of the here and the now in this life, as well as our death. The Heidelberg Catechism Question 1 that was published in 1563 It expresses truth from God's word that we must keep. It says, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Now, before I give you the answer, what has been your only comfort this past week? What have you found comfort in? Answer, that I, both body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own. but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Yes, that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. That our only comfort in life and death is having a grave and having a life with Christ. And what the Lord has decreed, what he has promised, should be kept by us in our mind and daily cherished. This is what the Father is wanting with his Son. To not just Listen, but to hear, which means to take what you have heard with you in this life as you are living. It's like the father and mother who reads parenting book after parenting book after parenting book, and they highlight and they underline and they put stars next to things. That's what I do. And then you turn around and you never change what you do in your parenting. The father does not want his son to listen to what he has said, to know what he has said, and then to just do whatever he wants to do. He wants his son to take wisdom in this life for the purpose of glorifying the father. Godly parents, they don't want behavior modification for their children. Many parents do, but not godly parents. And if we are God's children, we shouldn't accept behavior modification in our own life. When we embrace behavior modification, we are accepting moralism. We care too much about being righteous in the eyes of others, being seen as doing the right thing, that we are not even concerned about the appreciation or adoration of the Lord. That the outward appearance, the approval of man, that is not the end goal. A heart that fears the Lord is the goal. Jesus addressed this in the New Testament, Matthew 23. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You can clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate. 
that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, so often in this life when we, we hear those words, when we think about those words, when we think about what Jesus just said, like, wow, can you believe, like, the Son of Man said this to these Pharisees. Can you take that in just for a moment? And we fail to think, I'm just like the Pharisee. I think so much about what other people think. I think so little about the Lord looking in my life, knowing everything about my life, about pleasing him. That I have failed to ask the question, am I a whitewashed tomb? Do I want others to like me and to care about me and to think well of me? Do I put on a show and act so great, but knowing at the end of the day, when the lights are out and my head is on the pillow, the Lord knows all and sees all. If we are to have a heart that fears God, we must do as Solomon has instructed his son. We must be attentive to the word of God. We must incline our ear to the word of God. We must not let go of the word of God and our eyes must be forever fixed upon it. Because the word followed, that is life, that is a full life, an abundant life that is found only in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23 of our main text. Keep your heart with all vigilance. This is the second time the Father has used the word heart. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. So keep your heart with all vigilance. That means there are no breaks. Like, it's not keep your heart for this momentary time and then you're going to have these momentary times where you don't keep it. You always keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard your heart, my son. That's what the Father is saying. Watch over your heart. For from your heart flow the springs of life. From your heart flows the ways of your living. It is your heart that determines the course of life, what you do and say. In Matthew 6, 21, we find where, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we treasure ourselves, we will live for ourselves. We will walk for ourselves. We will think about ourselves. When we, when we treasure pleasure or comfort, our life will reveal this. When knowledge is our treasure and not wisdom, we will be deceived, void of fruitful labor. James discusses this. So who or what is your current treasure? What's flowing from your heart presently? Who or what are you living for? Verse 24, he says, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. We must guard our heart and keep an eye on what we are producing. And that includes our speech. Crooked speech, gossip, slander, all manners of devious talk is proof that an idol has taken the throne of our heart. 
James instructs us concerning the tongue. He said our tongue is small, but it boasts of great things. One minute you can praise the Lord, the other minute you can curse men and women who are made in the image of God. Our tongue shows us the direction of our life. Our tongue is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. And only God can tame the tongue. Our language of what we speak or what we don't speak about, our present conduct shows us our treasure. Proverbs has much to say about our speech. In a few chapters in Proverbs 10, we find the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lip is prudent or wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. Our tongue, our speech, it is a great indicator of what we are presently treasuring. Are we grumbling often? Are we highly critical of others with very little self-examination of ourselves? Are we quick to give our opinion and yet we don't listen when others speak? Our tongue, our speech is a great indicator. Are we quick to complain? And think that we could do a better job. Do we encourage others? Do we speak to edify? In Ephesians 4, we find, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Building up others. This is to be our way of living, our pattern of living. We are to be kind to one another. When we speak slander, we are living the fool's life. When we are gossiping, we are living a fool's life. When we don't forgive others, we are living the fool's life. When we fail to build up others, we are living the fool's life. You see, a fool's life is also lived by those who don't use their God-given gifts for the Lord's church and his kingdom. In Philippians 2, we find Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He said, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. So we're talking about a transformed mind here. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You won't have this mind if you're not following Lady Wisdom. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If you want to compare your life to somebody, compare your obedience to the Son. Stop looking at other people around you to your right and to your left. Stop thinking about your spouse. Stop thinking about other individuals who you can compare your life to. Compare your life to the obedient son. That being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So having the mind of Christ, having lady wisdom, this is to be our life. Look at verse 25. Solomon addresses the eyes of his son again. He says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. To the words of wisdom that his father spoke, they were not to leave his eyes, for his eyes were to look forward, to look straight ahead. When our eyes are not looking forward, When our eyes are not following Lady Wisdom, our eyes are gazing upon a path that will not please the Lord. Sure, we justify all the time. It's just something very little. No, no, it's not. If we are looking the wrong way, we are headed the wrong way. When our eyes are gazing upon what does not please the Lord, we haven't noticed that our feet are walking a different path. That's the way of a fool. Your eyes become so conceived by something and you're obsessed with it, you don't even recognize that your feet have already strayed and you're already going a different way. To look upon a different path is to look upon the path of Dame Folly. This life, this life is a marathon While we are living, we are running the race. And in this race, we must watch and guard our heart. And if you're still alive, which you all are right now, that means we're still running this race, which means we are all called to still remain faithful stewards of God's word, guarding our heart, making sure that we are doing the will of God. Verse 26 and 27, he He wants his son to ponder the path. Ponder the path of your feet, my son. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your your foot away from evil. So what our eyes delight in reveals what our heart is set upon. Our heart, the seat of reason and the will, it determines what we look at. Matthew 6.22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Solomon wants his son to gaze straight ahead, to keep his eyes on the prize, to stay focused upon Christ, walking in wisdom, and to use his mind, thinking about the good ancient path that he is walking. He says, don't wander aimlessly. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't just live. Live an abundant life with your eyes and your mind and your heart fixed upon the Lord. Don't allow the eyes and your feet to turn. Live an abundant life knowing that you are doing the will of God. When our mind is set upon the Lord, when our eyes are gazing at wisdom, we will be sure of all our ways. 
Wisdom from above is far superior to that of knowledge. Wisdom is the art of godly living. This is our outward practices aligning with the will of God. For example, this past week we had vacation Bible school. We could have worked all week long at vacation Bible school. and It could have easily appeared to others that we were serving the Lord, but our heart may not have been set on pleasing him. Did we seek the Lord in prayer? Did we teach for the purpose of God's glory? What we did, was it, was it for him, his name, his kingdom? The mind matters. We need our mind and our eyes fixed upon the Lord. We need to gaze ahead. We must not swerve to the right or to the left. We must continue to look at the Lord having a transformed mind, gazing upon the Lord, walking the path of straightforwardness. Because if our eyes are not upon Lady Wisdom, you are swerving, dear saint. When we swerve, we stumble. We fall. And the father's already painted the picture for his son of what that looks like. You are walking aimlessly, not knowing where you go, nor what you stumble over. When we swerve, we stumble. Do you know the person who speaks to you the most is you? You know your thoughts shape your speech and how you live? That the work of keeping wisdom in our life is needed if the Lord is to be enjoyed and rightly worshipped. The excuses that we have made. I don't need God's word every day. I don't need prayer. Why would I pray? Brother, sister, you need wisdom. You need the Lord. The work of keeping wisdom in our life is needed if the Lord is to be enjoyed and rightly worshipped. We must labor at knowing wisdom over and over again. The Father says, get wisdom. And beginning next week, you're going to hear from Pastor Blake talking about more and more what happens in this life when you and I are not following Lady Wisdom, when we're not pursuing wisdom. Every area of your life will crumble. The headlines that Selfishly, you think there is another fallen pastor. There is another fallen individual will become a reality in your life. The work of keeping wisdom in our life is needed if the Lord is to be enjoyed and rightly worshipped. Will you labor to know the wisdom of God? Will you make yourself tired? For the sake of Jesus Christ. We have too many men and too many women who are going to bed with lots of energy. Or you're going to bed tired, but it's not tired because you're doing the will of God. It's tired because you're living a sinful life. At different times in our life, we will think that God doesn't know what he is doing. We will think that Embracing sin is better than the promises of God. We will be tempted to swerve, but in those times, I beg of you, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. God knows exactly what he is doing. 
He is good. He is all-knowing. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is eternal. He has no birthday. He has no beginning. He has no end. He will make straight your paths. All his promises are yes and amen. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. Proverbs 3, verse 6. The Lord will make straight your paths when we are walking according to his word for his glory. But we must trust him. As God's children, you are responsible to walk the path of Lady Wisdom. Not your spouse, not your pastor, not your friend. You have a responsibility to walk the path of Lady Wisdom. You are responsible. And if I could say two words that are extremely simple for us all to understand this, own it. I was reminded a few years back, men and women, as we grow up, we have responsibilities. A real man, a real woman, they want that responsibility. I'm not asking you to understand that you have a calling to get wisdom and to get insight. I want you to own it as a child of God. Prove it with how you live your life. That's what James says. Don't be a guy who's just talking and talking and talking. I have this great theology. I know this, but your life is falling apart because you're not applying the wisdom of God. The father said to his son, guard your heart. Keep an eye on your life. Look at what you are doing with your time. Look at what you are doing with all of your energy. Take notice of who you are listening to, where your affections lie. Consider the words that are coming out of your mouth. What are your affections? Where are your eyes looking? What is your mind constantly thinking about? What is flowing out of your mouth? I'll give you a perfect example this morning. You can get ready and you can go to sleep early and get lots of energy and come to church. And then when you got three kids, your, your kids can take your mind off of things real fast. And you become easily upset about the fact that one child's not listening, one's not obeying, one's, I have no idea what they're doing. And you become easily frustrated with your kids. And we see some hands raised in here. So, Or we can take the opportunities that are before us and point our children to the Lord. We can recognize that as the Lord is still disciplining us and training us and pruning us, we still have that responsibility to do that as parents. It's guarding your heart. Not allowing the outcomes in this life, the situations in this life, the struggles in this life to define our present joy in the Lord. We guard our heart because it determines the course of our life. We keep hold of wisdom for with it we will enjoy the Lord and we will glorify the Lord. So let's own the truth that you and I are called to get wisdom, to guard wisdom, to hold on to wisdom and to live a life that pleases the Lord. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. Lord, your word is so good. Your word is living, it's active, it pierces, it divides, Father. It does work on us like nothing can. 
Your word shows us our fool's life that we've been living. Your word shows us the fact that we are not professionals, that we need wisdom. We need to get more wisdom, and we need to live a life that pleases you. Paul, your word also reveals your grace, your unending, matchless grace. Just like Jeremiah, Father, reading it over and over and over again. Judgment, 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 and your patience. Your great patience, if you would just leave your sin and come towards me and obey my commands. Father, thank you for your grace this morning. May we be faithful to turn from our sins. May our affections not lie in the things of this world. May our affection lie in you. That we are consumed with your holiness, your character. We would think so much about, are we living a life that pleases you? Fearing you, not fearing man. Not concerned about the outcome of the ministry that we have. More concerned about what does our creator think about how we are faithfully serving him. Father, help us to ask the hard questions, the heart questions. Are we truly guarding our heart? Lord, are we just being a whitewashed tomb? Are we daily confessing our sins, meeting with you, striving to live for you? Are we faithfully consumed with the things of this world and we're exhausted? Father, it is true. Your son is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. But Father, we sure do find a lot of our life in something else. Thank you for forgiveness that is found in your son for that. Thank you for finding it fitting to save sinners before the foundation of the world. To call men and women from every tribe, tongue, language, and people to yourself. To redeem them, to bring them into your family, and to keep them. And to not allow anything to penetrate them for all of eternity. Father, may we think about your promises this week. May we think about heaven and what is to come. May they cause us with great urgency to embrace wisdom and to live a life that glorifies you in the here and the now. It's in Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen.